morning. Uh, my name is Emily and I'll be doing a second Bible reading taken from the book of um, Matthew, chapter 22, verse uh, 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is God's word. Thank you, Emily. Uh, do have your Bibles in front of you. Open up at Matthew 22. It is the last in our summer series on the parables, and I hope you've been enjoying the parables. The parables are uh, earthly stories with heavenly significance, and they do teach us something about the kingdom of God. And parables are always that opportunity to, to do some self-reflection and some self-examination and to ask ourselves, where do I stand with God? And so we're going to do that today as well. So please join with me as we pray once again. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we look at this parable, that we'll hear not merely a story, but we'll see the significance and the gospel core that goes out to all of us, and that we might respond appropriately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we do live in a world with all sorts of lines and boundaries all over the place. We see it all over the place. Some, some lines were on the inside, somewhere on the outside. In the year that has passed, it's just been highlighted how, how many of these lines and boundaries are. The state borders, you can't cross. The line is drawn up. International travel, you can't go to New Zealand or they can't come here. The line is drawn. The isolation, the quarantine, there are those on the inside and there are those on the outside. And also in the political and social sphere, you see these lines all over the place. There are sharp lines between political parties, ideologies, and there's racial tension, there's the minority groups, majority groups, and people draw lines all over the place. Even Australia Day this past week, some are for it, some are totally against it. And even this month, as university placements come out for those who finish VCE, some make it in, and some are left out. See, there are lines and boundaries everywhere. Division cuts across every grain of humanity. 
And in some groups, we might be on the inside. In some groups, we might be on the outside. And you probably have your own lines drawn up. Who are those I'll invite over to my home? Who are those who will become my friends? But when it comes to God, how are we meant to think about how God works? How does God work? Does God work like us? Who are those God will allow on the inside with him? And who are those who remain on the outside, alienated from God? How does God work? Does he work like us and draw arbitrary lines all over the place between ethnic groups and cultures and social status, the poor, the wealthy, the colour of the skin? How does God work? Well, it's why this parable is so important. Because it will help us understand and it will probably take us even by surprise how God works. And it speaks of here what the kingdom of heaven is like. Which means what it looks like to be on the inside with God as opposed to being on the outside and alienated from God. To be on the inside and have fellowship with God and blessings from God as opposed to being outside and away from God. And so what is the kingdom of heaven like? Now today you might not even be thinking about this. You come to church each week as what you do. It might even be your first time. You might not be thinking about heaven or the kingdom of heaven. But it is important for us to have our hearts open because this is really about our eternal destiny. And so what do we see in this parable? I'm sure many of you are very familiar with this parable already. Well, what is described here is a wedding banquet. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. And not just any banquet, this was the banquet of banquets. It's the one for the prince, the son of the king. We see in verse 2, if you have a look with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. And so if there was to be a lavish, grand, opulent, expensive wedding banquet, this was it. It's the one you will drop everything to go to. You sell your shirt to get to this banquet. I mean, we all love weddings, don't we, and wedding banquets. And you notice that perhaps even in your own heart when you get an invitation. Am I just invited to the church ceremony? Or am I special enough to be on the inner circle to be invited to the wedding reception as well? We feel that, don't we? And we want, we enjoy weddings. I've got a wedding invitation for one this month, at the end of this month. And it's exciting to see the excitement of those who are invited and the ladies chit-chatting, what are you going to wear? What are you going to put on your face? It's called makeup. How are you going to do your hair? How much are you going to spend on your dress? Who cares what you wear? Just wear something. <laughs> but of course, weddings are special. But here we're talking about a royal wedding. A royal wedding. It's not one to be missed. But of course, this is just a parable. However, Jesus was picking up a biblical theme where heaven itself is often described as a wedding banquet, one that was promised long ago to the people of God, centuries ago before Jesus told his story. And the people of God, they were yearning, longing to be a part of this banquet. And so that's why we read in our first reading, Isaiah 25, this promise of this banquet on this mountain, the Lord Almighty 
will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. You see, that promise was made long ago and the people of God were longing, waiting. We've been invited. When is it going to happen? And we read it also in Amos chapter 9. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. It's painting a picture of a lavish festival, a wonderful banquet where all are invited, a banquet of abundance and celebration and feasting. And it will be one in heaven that will include all those who belong to God from every single generation. And so what we're meant to understand as we read this parable, not merely a story. What we're meant to see here is not just any wedding banquet prepared by any king. This was it. The banquet of banquets prepared by God himself for his son Jesus Christ. And this is certainly one you want to be on the inside of. And so what happens in this parable? Well, we see here the generosity and the patience of the king. He sends out his servants to call those who were already invited. Now, notice the language there. They were already invited. They were called. In fact, the word called, because he is the king, it's the word summons as well. They were summoned to the wedding banquet. You see, they were already aware that this wedding banquet was going to happen. It wasn't the first they've heard about it. You see, in the ancient world, what would happen was you would get the wedding invitation, you would know that it's going to happen, but then once the fattened calf was ready, the food was prepared, another call would go out to let you know, it is ready, come now. And so he, the king, summons those already invited. But what did they do? Well, look at verse 3. They didn't want to come. I mean, what does it take to reject a wedding invitation, especially one of the king? I mean, this wedding that I'll be attending, I'm not sure many will reject that wedding invitation at all. They're all so excited because you get to dress up and eat and all that. But he, the king, summons them. And his patience, we see, because he calls them once again. And what did I do? Look at verse 5 now. But they paid no attention and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. Now the word there, we need to sort of like try to understand, it's a strong word, they pay no attention. They were determined not to come. They were adamant not to go. They couldn't care less. Now what do you think that shows about them? What do you think it, it reveals about their heart? to reject such an invitation. I mean, to reject a royal invitation, a royal summons. You better have a very, very good reason to turn down the king. Now, of course, in context, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. And Jesus was, in fact, making a point directly to them, face to face. He was saying to them, this is you here. In this story, he places them in the parable. You have been invited already because you heard the promises of Isaiah and Amos. You've been waiting centuries. You've heard the invitation. You knew about it. 
now that I've arrived, the summons has come out. The call has gone out. But you have rejected God. And what were the reasons they came up with? Well, they just had other priorities, more important than the king. Now, it wasn't as though farming or going about your business is wrong. It was a matter of priority. And Jesus was trying to highlight that. It is a matter of priority. What could be more important than listening to the king? What could be more important than being on the inside of the kingdom of heaven? Now, Jesus was addressing these Pharisees, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. But if you think about their response, how they responded to the servants who caught them, we in fact see that all the time today. You don't have to be a chief priest or a teacher of the law to respond that way. We hear it all the time, don't we? When people hear about God or, or spoken about the gospel of Jesus Christ or offered, there is eternal life, come and find out. What are some of the responses we might hear even today? I don't want to think about God. I've got no time for that. I'll leave that till later. Perhaps when I'm retired. Perhaps when I have more time, my weekends are more free. Now I've got sports, I've got kids' duties. I'm just too busy for God at the moment. What is that? It is a similar attitude to the one in the story. Just like that. And it's no small matter. In fact, if you think about it, it's far more serious. When the king summons a subject and the subject rejects that, what do you call that? It's called treason. It's called treason. But what makes this story even worse? Look at what they did. Look at verse 6 now. The other seized his slaves, treated them outrageously, and killed them. It's just outrageous violence at the messengers now when I've received wedding invitation in the, in the post you'll be glad to know I've never once had the inkling of wanting to hurt the postie never once you receive wedding invitations with joy you read this and you think this is just outrageous who would do such a thing but what we need to also see is that the reality of what really did happen was even far more shocking than this parable. The reality of what did happen in history was even far more shocking than this parable. Because if Jesus was talking about the chief priests and the teachers of the law here, the reality was that they killed not merely servants and messengers sent by God. Who did they kill eventually? They killed the bridegroom himself. The reality is even more shocking than this parable. And that's why the judgment was fitting of the crime. Look at verse 7. The king was enraged, and so he sent out his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned down their, their city. Now perhaps... What we might not realize, even at this point, as they were listening, they were thinking, this is outrageous, so severe, this judgment, this punishment. But Jesus was perhaps there hinting prophetically of what would happen to their city. The destruction of Jerusalem and their temple by the Romans in 70 AD. And so the line is drawn. 
those on the inside with God and those on the outside with God. And where did they stand, those who were invited? Well, they drew the line themselves. They excluded themselves by rejecting the king. And it was all their fault. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You see, many will not make it to heaven. Many, many will not make it to heaven because they have excluded themselves. Not God who drew the line, but we have drawn the line and excluded ourselves. Just other priorities in life, just other interests, or sometimes just outright blatant rejection of God. And so do you see what I said before? When we listen to a parable, it's always meant to cause us all, whether we've heard it for the first time or a thousandth time, it's always meant to cause us to examine our own hearts. Where do I stand with God? Am I on the inside or the outside? And so that was the first group. They were invited, but they rejected the king. Now, if we think that somehow the king's glorious banquet is now all over because the guests won't come, well, we've got it all wrong because look at what happens next. In verse 8, Then he told his slaves, The banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Now, they were not worthy, not in the sense that they were not good enough for the king. In fact, no one's good enough for the king. Not one soul on earth is good enough for God. They were unworthy in the sense that they did not respond worthily to the invitation. They did not accept it humbly. And so we read on, verses 9 to 10. Therefore, go to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those slaves went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. And the wedding banquet was filled with guests. Now, again, we need to remember this was a parable. It was a story, but there's a deeper significance to it. And what Jesus was doing here was, in fact, very clever because he was also teaching what was happening in salvation history. He was teaching something about the storyline of the Bible. You see, those who were first invited were those who already heard the promises, those who were the people of God from the Old Testament, the Jewish people. They already heard. They should have expected the summons to come and be ready and attend. But then those who were invited now from the highways and the byways, they're in a sense what you call the Gentiles, the reaching out to those who are not the people of God, those who were on the outside. Now they are too invited. And so the situation now is that everyone who wanted to be at the banquet was at the banquet. Again, we're meant to think beyond the story. The invitation of God to heaven goes beyond, goes to, in fact, everyone, so that everyone who wants to be at the banquet can be there. It was an open invite from the king. And we need to remember, an open invite, but yet, at the banquet, it was filled with those who were evil and good. What does that mean? We'll look at that in a moment. Because what does it mean? Well, I think we see this order time even today as communities of Christians, as groups of people get together and profess to believe in Jesus, 
we, we see it all the time, don't we? There are more people who think they are going to heaven than what may really be the case. I'll say that again. There are more people who think they are going to heaven than what may really be the case. Last year I attended a funeral, a funeral of a man who died tragically. The minister presiding over the funeral, and I can understand why she said this, and she said it to comfort those who were there at the funeral. She said, we're Christians and we believe everyone will go to heaven. What does that do? It just makes everyone believe we're all going to heaven, regardless of what you believe, regardless of whether you know the king, regardless of whether you've rejected a king. It is false comfort, because when we look at this parable, that is certainly not the case. And so the point again, there are more people who think they are going to heaven than what may really be the case. Some may look like they're on the inside with God, just like this guy who attended the banquet. Churchgoers, baptised, done your profession of faith, you do your prayers, your devotion, you look just like any other believer. From all appearances, you're at the banquet. But then look at what happens next in this parable. Nothing escapes the eyes of this king. Look at verses 11 to 12. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. And so he asked him, friend, how do you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Now what are we to make of this? Because what ends up happening to that man who was not wearing wedding clothes was no small matter. In fact, it was extremely severe. I mean, just put it in a modern-day term. I've got a, this wedding that I've been invited to. It's a black-tie wedding reception event. I didn't know what black-tie events meant. Never been to one. Had to check it up online. Had to ask Yvonne. So it's a black-tie event. I looked it up. You're meant to wear black ties or black bow ties. It's as formal as you can get. Now imagine at this wedding reception, some guy turns up not in the formal wear, but instead turns up in speedos <laughs> by choice, wearing thongs. What a sight that would be. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> but the bride and groom would not be very happy at all. Because what is that saying to the host? If you turn up at a wedding in Speedos, it is far more than being discourteous. Because what is it reflecting? It's reflecting something of the heart. This inner contempt of the host. I will come on my terms, not yours. I'll do it my way, not your way. And you're not important enough. I'll come on my own terms. And so even this past week, as we're thinking about this black tie event and reading this parable, I went out with Yvonne and bought a black tie. I won't be in Speedos. Now, some scholars have suggested that the fault, the real fault of this man in this parable, was that he did not put on the wedding garment provided by the host. Now, some early Christians, Augustine, suggested such a thing, and therefore he did not put on the righteousness of God. 
However, there's no historical evidence that hosts provided garments for their wedding guests. Instead, what we're meant to understand is just the way we see it. Not dressing appropriately at an event that expects you to dress appropriately just shows you have no regard for the host. And in this parable, no regard for the king. It exposed his heart and the disdain of his heart. There was no fruit in keeping with repentance. And if you think about this second guy, his attitude was very similar to those who were first invited and rejected the king. It was an attitude of the heart against the king, a contempt of the king in both. And how do we know that he's guilty and he knows that? While he was silent and speechless, he knew he was guilty. I mean, if you rock up at a wedding in Spiritus, you know you're guilty. It's quite obvious. And what's the punishment? Well, verse 13. Then the king told the attendants, tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there you go. The line is drawn. The boundary is drawn. Alienated from God forever. Cast out into outer darkness. And the language of being gnashing of teeth in darkness is a common picture that Jesus uses to describe hell. It's meant to send shivers down our spine. It's meant to terrify us. In darkness, gnashing your teeth, in torment, in pain. And so the first group who were invited but rejected, they're out there too. And this second guy who held the king in contempt, he's out there too. And so what's the purpose of this parable? I mean, that's what we've been listening to this summer, isn't it? Stories with purpose. It's really not too hard to understand. And Jesus, in fact, sums it up in the last verse, verse 14. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited. It's free for all. If you want to come, you can come. But only a few are chosen. And that remains true today. The invitation to the kingdom of heaven is open to all, every single soul on earth. And we sort of see a little picture of that here, don't we? I mean, we're just a a mixed group. Different ages, different cultures, different ethnicities, different social status. We're all so different, and that's, in a sense, a little picture of this. You see, God shows no favoritism and does not draw arbitrary lines like what we do as people. And so for all of us here, we have to at least hear, we have been invited already. We've got the invitation to go to heaven. And we can get to heaven by accepting the invitation of God. And that's spout out in the story of the gospel. Jesus Christ who came, who makes it all possible by the life he lived in place of us. Because we can't. By the death he died, a criminal's death. The one who was eventually killed by those who were invited first. But though many are invited, only a few are chosen. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now even those words, I'm not sure if it 
terrifies you a bit. If you look around the room here, and just imagine, I think I'll be at this banquet because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my King and Saviour. But if the person next to me will not be there, doesn't that terrify you? And isn't that an ache on your heart? Because parables are an opportunity for us to do some self-examination and self-reflection. The reality is that we can't see into each other's hearts. Those of you who are here, those of you watching online, we can't see into each other's hearts. But you need to examine your own heart. Some of you are here perhaps because you were dragged along today. You had something better to do. Business to get onto, sports to watch, gardening to do, other priorities. And if that's you, you have to ask yourself, are you on the inside or outside with God? It's not that hard to work out, is it? If I exclude myself from God, I've drawn the line. Or perhaps some of you here, by all appearances, might look like you're at the banquet already. But what is your heart before the Lord? Because you see, just like in this story, that one that attended the wedding, eventually it will be found out. In fact, one of my greatest fears as a pastor is that the church that God has sent me to is a place where it's filled with a banquet like men in that second part of the story, not wedding, wearing wedding garments. It's one of my greatest fears. And I'm sure it's one of your greatest fears too, that we might be just kidding ourselves, thinking that we're in, but in fact we're out because our heart is not for God. It's why in our church we want to minister to everyone, everyone. We put a lot of emphasis on our kids' church, our creche, our youth group, because we want our children to be discipled in Jesus, to grow up knowing him and loving him, to be certain that they'll be at the banquet. But we also invest in all the young adults. We want them to live in a world amongst their colleagues, out there, steadfast, knowing that the invitation is theirs already and they are one who will go there. But also, we invest also in all our senior members who are cherished members of our church. I mean, how sad would it be for any one of us to end up being like that guy in this parable, to be found out by God one day. This past week, I, part of my job as a pastor, and it's a privilege, in fact, I get to visit people in our church and also outside our church. This past week, I got to visit an elderly couple. And I shared this parable, partly because in my heart, I can't see into their hearts. I don't know where they stand, really. Couldn't really tell. I shared these parables so that they know they've been invited. Where will they be? What is their heart like before God? Is it one that worships God as king? Or is it one where I've got other priorities, I just don't want to think about it, I'll wait until I retire? Or is it one that holds God in contempt? You see, one day everything will be exposed. Everything. How tragic would it be if any one of us ends up being like that guy who was tied hand and foot 
and taken out. And so it is my prayer, and I'm sure it is yours as well, that every single soul here is not only amongst those invited, but also amongst those chosen, which speaks of not just our responsibility, but God's divine loving purpose. And I show that I'm chosen by accepting the invitation, and I accept it humbly. I come with empty hands. Do you notice in this, in this parable, they bring no gifts. The king requires no gifts. He provides it all. Come with empty hands to enjoy the lavish banquet God provides. I come submitting to Jesus as king. And I show myself on the inside with God. I don't exclude myself. I show myself on the inside with God. And what a glorious future that will be awaiting us a bunch of unworthy people, but yet delighting at this banquet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your mercy you would send out servants, gospel proclaimers, to the highways and byways so that all might be invited into your kingdom to enjoy the lavish banquet spoken centuries ago and one we still look forward to. And so we pray, Lord, that you might minister to all our hearts that we are honest with you, that we accept this invitation humbly so that we might know we'll belong there one day too with Christ our Saviour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.